Hello again. This is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ, and we've got a special lesson for you. One of the most difficult things for us to deal with as we become Christians is learning how to deal with our anger. We've all heard about that verse in Ephesians 4.26 that says, Be angry and do not sin. But what does that mean? In this lesson, we turn to that verse and examine it to see exactly what is allowed and what is not, and how we as Christians ought to deal with anger. So please, open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, and let's learn how to be angry and sin not. Somewhere a Christian man screams at his wife, throws things around the house, and even punches holes in the wall. But then on Sunday he comes to church as though there's nothing the matter. Somewhere there's a Christian woman who holds grudges against her husband, her mother-in-law, her neighbor, and even the elders in the church. She talks badly about them behind their back. She's resentful of them and bitter towards them. But she'll dress nicely for worship. She'll come in and she'll sing along and act and listen to the sermon as though she's the epitome of spiritual conduct. Somewhere there's a Christian teenager that rushes to his room, slams the door, yelling and back-talking at his parents. He'll go to school the next day and tell his friends how rotten his parents are and how he can't wait to get out of the house. But on Wednesday night, he'll be in Bible class, and he'll be acting and answering questions as though he is an example of Christian conduct. If we were to say something to any one of these three people about their anger, they would all just say, oh, the Bible says I'm allowed to be angry as long as I don't sin. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, I believe, is the verse in the Bible that despite how clearly it teaches against sin, is used by more people to justify more sin, even among Christians, than any other passage in the entire Bible. The fact is, even among Christians, Few of us believe that the way we act when we're angry is sinful. But this passage says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your anger. And it goes on to say, Do not give the devil opportunity. What exactly does this verse justify? What exactly does this verse say we are allowed to do? That's what I would like for us to take a look at tonight. And I'm just going to warn you, we've got lots to look at. I'll try to make it as quick as possible. But we have a whole lot of things that we need to look at here about what's condemned and what's allowed based on this verse. When we're done, I will have outlines that will be on the table in the back for your further study. But I'd like for us to look honestly at Ephesians 4.26 and find out just exactly what does this passage say I am allowed to do when I'm angry. Before we look at it, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Righteous and holy God in heaven, we are amazed at your awe and your power, but mostly we are humbled by your mercy and your grace upon us. Your compassion has been toward us. Father, righteousness belongs to you, but to us is shame because we've sinned against you. And we pray that you would forgive us and we're thankful for your Son who has died for our sins to wash those away. And we're amazed at your love and your mercy. Father, we pray that you would be with us tonight as we study your Word, that our hearts would be open to what you have said, that we'll take it to heart. 
that we'll apply it to our lives and our families and our relationship with our brethren and our relationships at work and at school and in our neighborhoods. Father, we pray that You would strengthen us to be angry and not sin. We pray that we can put on that new man that deals with anger in a different way than we did before we became Your children. Help us to grow and be more like You and more like Your Son and Spirit to open our hearts to Your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we take a look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, again it says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Before we start looking at exactly what's allowed and what's not allowed, I'd like for us to note a few things grammatically about this verse. Just a few notes and then some observations from that. First thing, when we take a look at the word that's translated be angry, that word is orgizo. It means to provoke or to arouse to anger, we're told that it's actually in the passive voice. Now, passive means it's something that is being done to you. You're not the one that's acting. And so, when Paul says, be angry, it would be a little bit better to translate it, be angered, or be provoked to anger. Obviously, Paul is not commanding us to go get angry. But what he's pointing out is that sometimes some things happen that do anger us. People will do things that anger us. And so Paul says, be angry. If somebody has angered you, he then says, don't sin. Now that hamartano is in the active voice. So there's something that happens to us and something that we do, or rather, don't do. And so, be angered, be provoked to anger. If somebody provokes you to anger, Paul says... Don't sin. Now, when we recognize this grammatically, there are some observations that we should make from this. There are five lessons that we can draw from this simply from noting the grammar here. Number one, we recognize that we've got to distinguish between the emotion and the action. Somebody starts yelling and screaming and we say, oh, that's anger. Somebody puts their fist through a wall and we say, oh, that's anger. Somebody starts throwing things and we say, oh, that's anger. Well, there might be some verses in the Bible that would describe that, that action as anger, but not here in Ephesians 4.26. Ephesians 4.26 is not talking about action. Ephesians 4.26, when it says be angered, is talking about emotion. When it says be angered, it's talking about what's going on on the inside, the turmoil, the displeasure, the being upset that's happening on the inside. It doesn't say anything about what we do on the outside. That's the second half of the statement where it says, don't sin. When it says we've got to distinguish between the emotion and the action, here it says that you will have an emotional upheaval. Somebody will do something that causes you to have an emotional upheaval. But you've got to distinguish between that and the action, what you do based on that. And the second thing we learn from it is that anger, the emotion, is lawful. That's what this verse says is lawful. It says that we can be angered. People will do things that will upset us. It will happen. God recognizes that. There are upsetting things that occur in our world. And so the emotion, as Webster's defines it, that feeling of displeasure or belligerence at a real or supposed wrong. That's lawful. What goes on inside. Somebody uh, curses us or gossips about us or sins against us and we get angry on the inside. That's lawful. The third thing that we recognize from this is that our emotions must not govern our actions. The concept that, that uh, I just couldn't help myself is just not allowed. 
Paul points out that yes, people are going to do things that will cause you to be angry, but no matter what is going on inside, no matter what turmoil is happening in your mind and in your heart, you still choose how you behave. And no matter what is going on inside, no matter the turmoil, you must choose not to sin. That's the action. Don't sin. No matter what, no matter what's happening on the inside, don't sin. Like unto that is the fourth lesson, and that is no matter what someone does to us, we have to control ourselves. We have no right to sin. Those statements, well, he started it, or I only did that because she did this, or I only get that way when they do this, that's childish. That's immature, and that is not allowed. The fact is, the Bible never ever allows us to sin just because somebody else has. The passage here points out that, yes, we might be angered. Somebody might do something to us that angers us. We are still not allowed to sin. Period. And when we stand before God in judgment, it won't be a, He hit me first. It'll be, it doesn't matter what they did. Don't sin. Parents, have you ever had to do that with your kids? You all of a sudden you hear people screaming and hollering downstairs and you come down and there they are hitting and scratching each other. And so you pull Tessa off of Ethan and you say, what on earth are you doing? Well, he hit me. And I said, well, Ethan, why did you hit her? Well, because she called me a name. Did that happen to anybody else's house? Ryan, thank you. (laughs) See, even my kids believe they're the only ones that act that way. Listen, that, that's, and what do we have to learn as parents? One of the things we have to learn, uh, somebody gave me the advice a long time ago, look, quit trying to figure out who started it. It really doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter what one does, the other one is not allowed to respond back in that way. And that's the same thing with us in our lives. It doesn't matter what anybody else does to us. We are not allowed to sin, period. And the fifth thing that we need to recognize, it doesn't necessarily come from this passage, but we need to remember it. Even though this passage says, be angered, be provoked to anger, we need to remember that in the context of the Bible, the Scripture still demonstrates that while there will be times in which we will be provoked to anger, the Scripture demonstrates that we as Christians shouldn't be doing that very often. And it shouldn't happen very easily. You can look in James chapter 1 and verse 19. Do you remember what James said there? This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'd like for you to hear a few Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 17. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 17 says, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 29 He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Chapter 15 and verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Proverbs 16 and verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. We need to recognize that while Ephesians 4.26 does demonstrate that the emotion of being angered is lawful, it's still not something that happens that should happen for us very often. We should be working on controlling our emotions and not allowing people to have even that control over us emotionally. Be slow to anger. Before we look at what is allowed and what's not allowed, we also want to make some notes from the context. If you look in Ephesians chapter 4, we'll recognize that verse 26 and 27 
are written within the context of what we find in verse 20 through 24. But you didn't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. The context of Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about the way we were as a non-Christian versus the way we are now that we're Christians. It's old man versus new man. And anger is not the only thing that's mentioned here. In fact, we'll find out in verse 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. The old man would lie. The new man is supposed to tell the truth. We skip the verses we're dealing with now and look at verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he'll have something to share with one who has need. The old man is a thief, but the new man is a laborer who receives blessing from God and is generous and gives to others instead of taking from them. We look at verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. In their speech, the old man is a destroyer, but the new man is an edifier, somebody who builds up. Verses 26 and 27 then points out to us, Be angry, and yet do not sin. What's that pointing out? Well, the old man, when he got angry, he sinned. The new man, when he gets angry, he doesn't sin. There are two observations that we need to make from recognizing this about the context. The very first one is that that means that when we become Christians, we ought to be doing things differently. The way we act and react when we're angered needs to change because we're putting off that old man and putting on the new man. Just as we quit lying and start telling the truth, just as we quit stealing and start laboring and being generous, just as we quit being a destroyer in our speech and start edifying, we should quit sinning when we're angry and start being holy when we're angry. And the second thing that we observe from this is that the Bible's advice on anger is different from the world's advice. The folks who are still out in the world, they don't understand how to deal with anger. And so when it comes to how to deal with anger and what we're allowed to do with anger, we're not going to learn it around the water cooler at work. We're not going to learn it on the psychiatrist's bench. We're not going to learn it from our friends and neighbors. We're going to learn it from God. And that's what matters. And so now the question is, considering all that, considering the grammar, considering the context, it says, be angry and do not sin. So what's not allowed in this passage? Because it certainly condemns something. It says, don't sin. Well, basically what that tells us is if we can find in the Bible where it says that something is a sin, we're not allowed to do it even though somebody has angered us. Even if we can prove that we have a right to be angry about this, if the Bible says it's a sin, we're not allowed to do it. And so let's just think of a few things. This list is not going to be exhausted. It's just a beginning. It's just a look at some major things that I think even Christians sometimes try to justify by saying, oh, I'm allowed to be angry as long as I don't sin. And just take a look at that. I, I, I hope that we all recognize that despite the fact that our nation recognized crimes of passion and might let folks off even for murder because of the heat of the moment, Matthew 5.21 says, you've heard that the ancients were told you'll not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. We recognize that. But, but perhaps there are some things that are not quite so obvious as that one. And I'd like for us to discuss those. We've got 
several of them, and I'm going to be moving very quickly. The very first one is we're not allowed to have explosive fits. If you look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Wrath. The word for wrath there is thumos, and it refers to explosive fits of rage. It's a word picture. It's like a pot of water that's sitting on the oven, and it finally hits a temperature, and it explodes in a boil, and water goes furthering everywhere. But you pull it off, and immediately it drops below that temperature, and everything's fine. And how many of us deal with our anger like that? We, we, hit, we hit a boiling point, and finally we just explode in rage. We throw things, we hit things, we yell, we scream, we holler, but we wake up the next morning, and everything's okay. There are a lot of people that are just like that. What the Bible says is, that is wrong. Explosive fits of rage are not allowed. Let all wrath be put away from you. The second thing. I think this one is most often allowed. In fact, this is most often even counseled. Oh, don't have explosive fits of rage. Don't hit your wife. Go into a room and hit a punching bag. But actually, the Bible demonstrates to us that venting is not allowed. Venting is not allowed. Look in Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 11. The New American Standard translates it this way, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Another translation, the New King James says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You see, we live in a society that has this idea that we're supposed to be able to just express our feelings in whatever we want. We need to realize that God says, oh no, oh no, my children control themselves. And they don't get to go express their anger by beating on things and hitting things and yelling and screaming in a closed room. A wise man learns to control himself and hold himself back. Thirdly, holding grudges. Ephesians 4.26 is very clear about that. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, I realize the figure of speech there. It's not saying that if at one minute till sundown you get angry, you're in big trouble. It's just pointing out that, look, you need to deal with this quickly. You're not allowed to let it just keep simmering on the burner. You've got to approach the sin and deal with it quickly. You've got to get rid of your anger as quickly as possible, reconciling the situation, overcoming it, putting it behind you, whatever it takes. If, if you are angered, deal with it now. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll deal with it next week, or you know, here, I'll deal with it this way. I'll wait until this is done, and then I'll go deal with it. He says, deal with it quickly. Don't hold grudges. Vengeance. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I had a high school teacher, my band instructor. I remember. If you played a practical joke on him, he would always say, I don't get back, I get even. And I'm not even until I'm one up. That was, that was his word. Yeah, that, but, you know, that's, that's vengeance. And a lot of times we have the idea that, uh, you know, they've done this to me and now I'm going to give them what they deserve. That's vengeance. I want you to remember what it says in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. 
Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I want you to notice something very interesting about this. It doesn't say that vengeance is not allowed just because vengeance just all alone is evil. Vengeance is not allowed because vengeance is not our place. That is God's place. If punishment and judgment is supposed to come on people, that is God's place to do that, not ours. Which, by the way, is why I believe that Jesus was allowed to take a whip and drive people out of the temple, and we're not. Jesus is allowed to do that because Jesus is God. And He's allowed to bring judgment on those who destroy His house. But we're not. We don't get vengeance. We leave room for the wrath of God. And that's what we have to do. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. Vengeance is not lawful. Then we have isolation. There are a lot of folks that when they get angry, they cut themselves off from the folks who made them angry. They're going to separate themselves and push them away. But that's not what the Scripture tells us to do. If we look in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, if your brother sins... Go and show him his fault. I recognize, of course, that verse doesn't say angry, but I'm assuming if you have angry with cause, it's because they did something wrong. Don't go isolate yourself and get mad at them and separate yourself from them. If they've done something wrong, Matthew 18 and 15 says, you go talk to them. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and present your offering. It's not about separation and isolation. It's about reconciliation. It's about going to them and dealing with it. We don't get into these childish things of, well, listen, hey, if they come say they're sorry, I'll accept it, but I'm not going to them. Christians in dealing with their anger go to them and deal with it. Bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Paul said, put all bitterness away from you. The sarcastic comments, the cold shoulder, those evil looks, you know, that feeling of, look, I am just barely tolerating you. That's not allowed. Put bitterness and resentment away from you. Slander, there in Ephesians 4.31, put all bitterness and slander away from you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul is giving this list of these sins of people who love themselves and they love pleasure. They hold the form of godliness, though they've denied its power. And in verse 3, it says they're unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Some translations say slander. We're not allowed to talk badly about people behind their back. We're not allowed to go around to our friends and let them know why so-and-so has made us so angry. Slander and gossip is just not allowed. I don't care how angry you are. No matter what they've done, we're not allowed to do that. Malice. Ephesians 4.31 again. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Malice is the idea of evil intention. I want bad things to happen to them. Malice might even go to that next step of I'm going to cause bad things to happen to them. But we as Christians, when we're angry, we don't sit there and think about all the bad things we want to happen to the person who made us angry. Because that's a sin. Malice is not allowed. Corrupt speech. 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, we've already read it once tonight. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. When you call that person that name, is that edifying and building up? Of course not. And so in the heat of the moment when you're angry, we're not allowed to call people names. We're not allowed to make false accusations against them. Even when we're angry, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have good speech that builds up, not tearing down. We're not allowed corrupt speech. And finally, forsaking responsibilities. In James chapter 4 and verse 17, James chapter 4 and verse 17, the Scripture says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. It doesn't matter how angry they made you. It doesn't matter if it's your wife, your husband, your kid, or your parents, your neighbor, your boss, your employee. It doesn't matter. As Christians, whatever they do, no matter how angry they've made us, we are not allowed to forsake our responsibilities. I do not know how many times I have talked with husbands and wives, and this is the problem. You know, well, listen, I would do what you're saying if he would do it. I would do what you're saying if she would do it. Well, we can't make them do it. But the Bible says, to him who knows what they're supposed to do, and they're not doing it, doesn't matter if they're angry. It's still sin. And so I know that somebody says, well, Edwin, if I can't do that, what on earth am I allowed to do when I'm angry? I'll show you. The very first thing that you're allowed to do when you're angry is you're allowed to love the person who made you angry. In fact, this is going to be the very first defense that we have Regarding anger, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Do you remember what it says about love? It says, love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, it doesn't act unbecomingly, it doesn't seek its own, is not provoked. When we love the person, that's going to be our number one defense. That's going to help keep us from getting angry to begin with. That's one of the things that's going to help us follow. Remember James 1.19, don't be quick to anger. All those passages in Proverbs, being slow to anger, slow to wrath. Love is our first line of defense. When we are made angry, we're allowed to love. Because if when we're angry, we're still working out of love for the person who angered us, we still want what's best for them. And so we're going to be doing what is right and treating them properly. So when you're angry, you're allowed to love. When you're angry, and when you've been angered, you're allowed to pray. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, he said, Do not give the devil an opportunity. When anger comes into our hearts, it opens the door for the devil. Basically what Paul is pointing out is be angry and don't sin, but look, you've got to understand this. When you're angry, it sure is a lot easier to sin. Don't give the devil that opportunity. Deal with it now and close that door. When we recognize that that anger in our heart opens the door for the devil, then we remember what Jesus said as he gave that model prayer back in Matthew chapter 6. And in verse 13 of that prayer, he said, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. We recognize that anger is coming into our heart. And now we've given the devil an opportunity and we want God to deliver us from the evil one. If you've gotten angry, you need to make sure you're acting from love and then you need to pray. Make sure you've still got their best interest at heart and pray to God that he'll help you do that and deliver you from the evil one and close that door on him. But not only that, you also need to pray for the person who sinned against you or, or made you angry. Remember Jesus in Luke chapter 23? There he is on the cross. He looks at all those people that are hurling abuse and slander at him. And what's he say? He prays to God, Father, forgive them, 
They don't know what they're doing. We need to pray for them. That they would be forgiven. That they would repent. And do what's right. The third thing that we can do is look at yourself first. Remove the plank in your own eye first. Look at Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 3, Jesus said, Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Typically, when we read this passage, we think that this means that uh, we're doing the same thing we're getting on to somebody else about. That's not, what is, that's not the strict meaning of this passage. That's part of it. But when you take a look at a plank being in your eye, what does that represent? That represents something that's blocking your perception, that's hindering your view of being able to see accurately what's going on. It certainly may be that you're doing the same thing and don't want to admit it. It certainly may be that you have done wrong yourself and don't want to fess up. I mean, I have to admit that a lot of times if Marie and I get into an argument and I get the most angry, it's because I know she's got me. And I can't get out of it. And so what I'd rather do is just yell at her. I mean, I just have to go ahead and confess that because I know y'all are going to go up to her afterwards and say, how does Edwin do with all this stuff? She'll tell you. So I might as well confess where my problems are. Yeah, when It may be that we've been doing it ourselves and we get defensive. And that may be the plank that's in our eye. But then again, it may also be arrogance and pride on our part. It may be that we just think everything's about us and they weren't doing anything about us. But we took it that way. It may be that we don't know. There's other information that we don't know about. Whatever it is that's blocking our perception of the situation, we need to remove it from our eye before we begin to start trying to remove something out of somebody else's eye. And so, whenever we're angry, we need to love, we need to pray, and we need to look at ourselves first. Third, excuse me, fourth, we can grieve. Look in Mark chapter 5 and verse 3. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 3. Wait a minute. Mark 3 and verse 5. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 5, the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. And they put a man with a withered hand before him, and we're going to see what he was going to do with him on the Sabbath. And in verse 5 it says, After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He was made angry, but notice what he did. He was grieved. See, the problem is most of the time when we're angry, we're so bent bent on what they're doing to us. We don't think about what they're doing to their own soul. And even though Jesus was angered by their hardness of heart, he was grieved because he knew what this was doing to their soul. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2 says, You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. When other people are sinning, even when it's against us, we ought to be able to look at their soul and what it's doing to their soul and how it's condemning them and mourn and grieve over it. Because I tell you, when we've when we've got that love that mourns and grieves when somebody else is sinning, even when they're sinning against us, We're not going to sin when we're angry. Because what we'll want is for them to overcome and be right with God. Do good. 
Back in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17 says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Verse 20. Excuse me, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't respond in kind. Somebody's done something wrong to you, don't do it back. Do good things to them. I heard a story about a preacher who had moved into an area and started teaching on some things that his landlord, who was a member of the church, didn't like. And so she, he had been there. He had been helping her at her house. He'd go over and cut her grass. It was just all part of it. And she booted him out because he was preaching on things that she didn't like. You know what he did? He kept on cutting her grass. He kept on going over and fixing things. And one night after services, I'm told, as, as she walked out, she just walked up to him in tears and said, You're killing me. And after that, I'm told that if you ever insulted this preacher in front of her, you were in trouble. You see, do good. Don't respond in kind. We're allowed to do that when we're angry. Speak gently. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, we all know that passage. A soft answer turns away wrath. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if anyone is called in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. As we go to restore them, we should speak gently. And of course, we've already looked at Ephesians 4.29 that talks about not letting any corrupt speech come out, but only such as is good for edification. We can speak gently to them. Now, if in fact, after we've done all this, we realize that yes, they have sinned. Once we've removed the plank for our eye, we've prayed, we're grieved, we're doing good, we're loving them, it may be necessary for us to rebuke them. I mean, when people sin, we are supposed to rebuke them. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and verse 3 says, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. But remember, while you're doing that, you're still supposed to be following our last rule, and that's speak gently. While you're rebuking them and reproving them and exhorting them and pointing out to them that what they did was wrong, you're supposed to be doing it with a spirit of gentleness. We look in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And verse 15, beginning, Matthew 18, beginning at verse 15, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. We recognize that if somebody's actually sinned, and we're angry about it, or, of course, even if we're not really angry about it, if they sin, we're supposed to go to them and rebuke them. Talk to them about it privately. If they listen and repent, we've won our brother, everything's good. If not, then we're allowed to take two or three with us to go talk to them. If they listen and repent, that's good. If not, then we're allowed to bring it before the church. If they listen to the church, that's good. If not, then they're to, we're allowed for them to be to us as a tax collector and a Gentile because their sin has separated them from God. And we need to keep in mind while we're doing this, it's still with gentleness and with the motivation of we want them to return. It's not, hey, I'm putting you in your place. It's not, I'm exposing you to the world so that they'll know exactly what you really are. It's, I want you to be right with God. And even if we have to go through this whole process, 
going ourselves, taking two or three, taking to the church, and then they become as a Gentile and a tax collector. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter three points out that they're still not our enemy. In Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse fourteen it says, If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he'll be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. As we pointed out, all this is about reconciliation. We're allowed to reconcile. Matthew chapter 5, remember what, we've already read that passage. What did he point out there? Even if you're at the altar with your gift, go and reconcile and then come back. That's how important it is to God. God is pointing out that even if we're here at worship, if we're allowing anger to linger on, it's going to hinder us. And so reconcile. And of course, what that leads to is as we're striving to reconcile, if they repent, we're allowed to forgive them. In Luke chapter 17, in verse 3, it said, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Let me read that maybe a little different way, something that might drive it home a little bit more. Be on your guard. If your husband sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times a day, say, I repent. Forgive him. Well, let's try one more time. Be on your guard. If your wife sins, rebuke her. If she repents, forgive her. If she sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive her. See, we like it when it talks about that brother because we know all those, those brothers, we don't even see them all week long. They're not going to sin against us seven times a day. But now our wife or our husband might. Not that I ever do. Forgive. And finally, just to draw this home to its conclusion in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, we've already pointed out that we've got to act quickly. We're allowed to act quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. We're going to be angered. Things are going to happen. As much as it depends on us, we're to live peaceably with all men. I realize that there are going to be some scenarios where we try to deal with our anger and the other person just isn't going to let us. And at that point, we have to leave it in God's hands and let it go. But as much as it depends on us, this is how we behave because we're the new people. We put off that old man that sins when he's angry and put on the new man who's holy even when angered. And I'll tell you what, you know what the real biggest problem when it comes to the way we act when we're angry is? The biggest problem is that there are some people we give ourselves permission to sin against when we're angry. The fact is we can all do this. Because there have all been, there have been times when all of us have done this. Our boss does something that gets us angry. Do we immediately walk in and start yelling and screaming and throwing things around in his office? I mean, maybe, maybe sometimes you've done that. You got really, really angry. But most of the time, we know better. Why? Well, Steve, if I was working for you and I came into your office and did that, what would you do to me? You'd love me. Okay, now tell the truth. You're supposed to, you're the new man. Speak honestly. <laughs> I believe, you know, I'm neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I'm thinking probably fired would be the appropriate response there. Uh, I mean, so we're not going to do that with our boss, but we might do it with our wife or husband. Why? Well, because they can't do anything. And we give ourselves permission. 
Perhaps I've demonstrated this to you before. Have there ever been any times when you're there with your wife or your husband or, or your kids or your parents and you're just going at it, and the phone rings and you pick it up, hello? We know how to control ourselves. We just need to learn to do it with everybody. Because now that we're Christians, we might get angered, but we're not allowed to sin. I hope this lesson has been beneficial for you and helped you grow and understand exactly what God wants out of us now that we are those new creatures in Christ. Remember that while things may anger us, we are not allowed to sin. We must not allow our emotions to control us, but rather we must control our emotions. If you have any questions about dealing with anger, about the Bible, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps someone gave you this lesson. If so, let me encourage you to go to that website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous other lessons, both in audio and outline format, that you're free to download and use in whatever way you believe will glorify God. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.